Section twenty five of Not That It Matters by A. A. Milne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. By the Sea. It is very pleasant in August to recline in Fleet Street or wherever stern business keeps one and to think of the sea. I do not envy the millions at Margate and Blackpool, at Salcombe and Minehead, for I have persuaded myself that the sea is not what it was in my day. Then the pools were always full of starfish. Crabs, really, big crabs, stalked the deserted sands. And anemones waved their feelers at you from every rock. Poets have talked of the unchanging sea, and they may be right as regards the actual water, but I fancy that the beach must be deteriorating. In the last ten years I don't suppose I have seen more than five starfishes, though I have walked often enough by the margin of the waves, and not only to look for lost golf balls. There have been occasional belated little crabs whom I have interrupted as they were scuttling home, but none of those dangerous monsters to whom, in fearful excitement and as a challenge to one's companion, one used to offer a forefinger. I refuse regretfully your explanation that it is my finger which is bigger. I should like to think that it were indeed so, and that the boys and girls of to-day find their crabs and starfishes in the size and quantity to which I was accustomed. But I am afraid we cannot hide it from ourselves that the supply is giving out. It is, in fact, obvious that one cannot keep on taking starfishes home and hanging them up in the hall as barometers without detriment to the coming race. We had another amusement as children in which I suppose the modern child is no longer able to indulge. We used to wait until the tide was just beginning to go down and then start to climb round the foot of the cliffs from one sandy bay to another. The waves lapped the cliffs. A single false step would have plunged us into the sea and we had all the excitement of being caught by the tide without any of the danger. We had the further excitement, if we were lucky, of seeing frantic people waving to us from the top of the cliff, people of inconceivable ignorance, who thought that the tide was coming up, and that we were in desperate peril. But it was a very special day when that happened. I have done a little serious climbing since those days, but not any which was more enjoyable. The sea was never more than a foot below us, and never more than two feet deep, but the shock of falling into it would have been momentarily as great as that of falling down a precipice. You had, therefore, the two joys of climbing, the physical pleasure of the accomplished effort, and the glorious mental reaction when your heart returns from the middle of your throat to its normal place in your chest. And you had the additional advantages that you couldn't get killed, and that, if an insuperable difficulty presented itself, you were not driven back, 
but merely waited five minutes for the tide to lower itself and disclose a fresh foothold. But, as I say, these are not joys for the modern child. The tide, I dare say, is not what it was. It does not, perhaps, go down so certainly. Or the cliffs are of a different and of an inferior shape. Or people are no longer so ignorant as to mistake the nature of your position. One way or another, I expect I do better in Fleet Street. I shall stay and imagine myself by the sea. I shall not disappoint myself with the reality. But I imagine myself away from bands and piers, for a band by a moonlit sea calls you to be very grown up and the beach and the crabs, such as are left, call you to be a child, and between the two you can very easily be miserable. I can see myself with a spade and bucket being extraordinarily happy. The other day I met a lucky little boy who had a pile of sand in his garden to play with, and I was fortunate enough to get an order for a tunnel. The tunnel which I constructed for him was a good one, but not so good that I couldn't see myself building a better one with practice. I came away with an ambition for architecture. If I ever go to the sea again, I shall build a proper tunnel. And afterwards, well, we shall see. At the moment I feel in tremendous form. I feel that I could do a cathedral. There is one joy of childhood, however, which one can never recapture, and that is the joy of getting wet in the sea. There is a statue not so far from Fleet Street of the man who introduced Sunday schools into England, but the man whom boys and girls would really like to commemorate in lasting stone is the doctor who first said that salt water couldn't give you a cold whether this was true or not, I do not know, but it was a splendid and never-failing retort to the anxious grown-ups, and added much to the joys of the seaside. But it is a joy no longer possible to one who is his own master. I, for instance, can get my feet wet in fresh water if I like. To get them wet in salt water is no special privilege. Feeling as I do, writing as I have written, it is sad for me to know that if I really went to the sea this August, it would not be with a spade and a bucket, but with a bag of golf clubs. That even my evenings would be spent not on the beach, but on a bicycle riding to the nearest town for a paper. Yet... It is useless for you to say that I do not love the sea with my old love, that I am no longer pleased with the old childish things. I shall maintain that it is the sea which is not what it was, and that I am very happy in Fleet Street, thinking of it as it used to be. End of section 25